All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to the Daily Faceoff Show, your everyday source for the latest news with top-notch insight and analysis, live every weekday at noon Eastern. What's up, everybody? Welcome into the April 20th edition of the Daily Faceoff Show. Happy 420 Day if you partake in that. Uh, and uh, we're streaming live on dailyfaceoff.com as well as Twitter and YouTube. He is former Vancouver Canucks Assistant General Manager and Chief Legal Officer, now Daily Faceoff Analyst, Chris Gear. Chris, how you doing? What's going on? Morning, Frank. The sun came up in Vancouver for me, but I'm not sure it came up for, uh, for a lot of Canucks fans. Yeah, no doubt. Let's throw two minutes and 30 seconds up on the clock and let's drop the puck on exactly that. A huge opportunity for the Vancouver Canucks on Tuesday night. Rogers Arena was electric. It was an unbelievable atmosphere in the building. The Canucks take a 2-0 lead. The For a long stretch of that game, concurrently, the LA Kings were tied with the Anaheim Ducks, a massive game in Southern California, thinking, well, maybe, just maybe, Chris, if the Kings could find a way to stub their toe against the Ducks and the Canucks could hang on to that 2 nothing lead over the Ottawa Senators, a very winnable game that, wow, this playoff race would look dramatically different in the Western Conference. The Canucks would move almost somewhere to the coin flip territory with the Kings, even though the Kings perhaps have a bit of an easier schedule. Alas, it's Adam Gaudet. I saw some Canucks fans saying on Twitter, Chris, that this is the second year in a row that uh, that 
that Gaudet has has ruined the Canucks season going back to him being patient zero with the COVID outbreak. I don't know if it's fair to blame him for that, but the shootout winner may have been the dagger in the Canucks season and may have also actually set the Western Conference playoff bracket. Yeah, it's just such a Canucks thing to have one of their former players come back and haunt them and a former player who really isn't a part of, of the Sens plans, right? He played, I think, four minutes in the second period and didn't play in the third. And the only reason they brought him out for the shootout because of his familiarity with Demko and having, you know, taken shootouts against him before in, in practice. Uh, but, you know, there's still a chance, you know, the Canucks have a game in hand and they do play the Kings uh, one time down the stretch. So, you know, anything can happen. But for me, the, the Canucks, you know, when you look back at the season, that 9-15 and 15 start, uh, Elias Pettersson was nowhere to be found uh, for a long time. They were trying to integrate uh, a bunch of new players in OEL and Garland and uh, Dickinson and Pud Colson was a rookie. I think it took a long time for them to gel. And once they finally gelled and, and Pedersen woke up, you, you've seen a much different team, uh, but too little too late, unfortunately for them. Yeah, the fact that we're even having this conversation, though, Chris, is pretty impressive. I think if the Canucks were able to run the table and and somehow get in, you know, we're talking about a team that has overcome some odds probably greater than the St. Louis Blues being in last place in the league in January. Um, you know, they were so far out of it back in November. You were in the mix in Vancouver then. It just it had such a different feel then. And now, you know, you look at the change at this point in the season and, it, you know, you see the atmosphere in, in the building last night. It, it's a complete 180. For sure. It really has been a different narrative in the city and, and in the media over the last few months. Uh, I remember the my, my actual my last day with the team was when Bruce Boudreaux uh, came in and his speech to the team was all about you know, the what ifs. He talked about the St. Louis Blues and that run. He talked about the Capitals team that he inherited um, that, that made a miraculous run. And so, you know, that his his inspiration to the team was all about what's in the past is in the past and, and we can achieve something. And obviously they've taken that message to heart and they've been very, very good. Uh, you know, JT Miller and Bo Horvat have had career seasons. Quinn Hughes has just elevated his game to another level. And Thatcher Demko has been a dominant goalie. So, and, and they've gotten con contributions from some unlikely sources. And, and really, as I said before, just gelled as a team and, and figured out a way to, to overcome huge obstacles. So credit to them. Uh, it, it may it may fall a bit short here, but uh, you know I, I think even this last five games they're gonna they're gonna show us something. See what see what they have. Yeah, I think a lot of what we're seeing too is, as you mentioned, some of those guys having career years, some validation for uh, some of the pieces that Jim Benning and your staff had put together over the last number of years to see them now sort of come to fruition. You know, you guys don't get to enjoy the spoils, but it sort of gives hope in terms of where the Canucks are heading from here that maybe this isn't as bad, certainly for this management group in terms of what they thought they might be inheriting maybe changes the course of their plans this summer. Let's take a look at uh, another team, Canadian team in action on Tuesday night. And that was the Calgary Flames, a potential first round playoff preview. The Flames traveled to Nashville, ended up losing in a shootout. Not a lot of time and space, felt like a playoff game atmosphere for sure. Not just atmosphere, but also playing style. And so, Chris, when you take a look at how the Preds and Flames match up as their likely first-round opponents, 
What did you notice from that game on Tuesday night? And what does this mean for the Calgary Flames? They've had an unbelievable season. Uh, they're going to win the Pacific Division. They've played well at both ends of the rink under Daryl Sutter. But they might be running into a team in the Nashville Predators that have been playing quite well. They have a goaltender in UC Soros who has the capability to steal a series, if not certainly a few games for the Preds. Should the Flames be worried? Yeah, you know, I've been saying for a while that Nashville is going to be a tough out for any team. Uh, so it's not just Calgary, but if that's the first round matchup, uh, it's going to be tight checking. Like you said, Saros is a fantastic goalie that, that can steal games. Uh, what Roman Yossi and Matt Duchesne have done this year is incredible. It's it's two guys that are that look like they're on a mission. Uh, you know, Philip Forsberg is always a great playoff performer. So, yeah, you know, Nashville can can cause some damage here. And I, I think top to bottom, Calgary is still the better team, but uh, th this series goes seven in my books easily and uh, it, it can go either way. And I wouldn't be surprised to see an upset. Yeah. You take a look at this lineup card here, Tanner's, you know, Colton Sissons, Yak of Trenton. I mean, that line was born to play in the Stanley cup playoffs, the way that those guys play their size, their physicality, their ability to score goals, Tanner's, you know, 24 on the year. I mean, it's, uh, it's going to be a fantastic matchup if that's what it ends up being. And it certainly feels like it's trending in that direction. And, you know, for the Flames, we've talked a lot this season about the Toronto Maple Leafs and their playoff demons and some of these other teams that, that really need to make uh, some headway and make some progress in the playoffs. And the Flames certainly fall in that category as well with, you know, missing the playoffs previously and then also their sort of quick exits that they haven't really gone on the run that this core was designed to. Yeah, I mean, Daryl Sutter's obviously done an incredible job uh, getting that team to buy into his system and, and, and getting them to all, uh, you know, just just play in the manner that, that is getting them these wins. But they've also got just, you know, a, a lot of great scorers. And let's not forget Jacob Marshall. I mean, we just talked about UC Saros, but Jacob Marshall leads the league in shutouts. He's been dominant at times this year. Uh, they're just a, a, a well-constructed and a well-coached team. And, and so... You know, yeah, the, the national Predators are going to give them everything they can handle. But I, I do see Calgary coming out of this and uh, being the, the chief competitor for the Avalanche in the West. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see what the betting lines look like on that from points bet. You know, I'm thinking the Flames will be a slight favorite. But in, in reality, I think this series is much closer to a toss up. We'll see how it ends up shaping up. Uh, all the matchups still in flux uh, in the Western Conference, aside from maybe the St. Louis Blues squaring off against the Minnesota Wild. One big change in the NHL awards race as we come down the stretch, the final 10 days of the regular season, and that is the Art Ross. For the first time since March 11th, Connor McDavid wakes up today, and he is not in the lead in the NHL scoring race, passed by Jonathan Huberto on Tuesday night with his hat-trick and three-point performance uh, by the Florida Panthers. Um, you know, you look at this now, both McDavid and Huberto, they have the same number of games played remaining. Uh, they each have six to play. And how would you handicap this scoring race at this point? You even just look back a few days ago, five, six, seven days ago, it was a huge favorite for Connor McDavid in terms of the betting odds for McDavid to skate away with the Art Ross. Not so much anymore. 
Yeah, I, I still think McDavid comes out on top. He's just he's the kind of player that now, you know, seeing Huberto vault him in the, in the standings, he probably comes out tonight and has a four or five point night. I just think he's he's that good and that uh, talented and, and that competitive and just, you know, wants to be known as the guy. Right. So I, I the other thing is he's, he holds the tiebreaker with more goals if it comes down to that. Uh, but what can you say about Huberto? He's had just a phenomenal year. I mean, 81 assists is something we haven't seen in a long, long time. And, uh, you know, he, he deserves to be in the conversation for sure. Don't sleep on Johnny Gaudreau as well. Five yeah. games to play for Gaudreau. He's just three points back of Huberto, two points back of Connor McDavid. A special season for Gaudreau. Seemingly every night he's doing something that makes your jaw drop. Uh, so if if you were putting money on it right now, your money would still be on McDavid, you're saying? Yeah, exactly. I mean, he's he's the guy that's done it before. He's, you know, he's. I think most people would agree he's the most talented player in the league. I just think he gets it done. And he's got the competitive juices to, to want to pull it out at the end. As much as, you know, Florida is the highest scoring team in the league and and – you know, every time they score, it seems like Huberto is in on it. But um, at the end of the day, I'm just going to go with the the guy that's been there before. Yeah, I get it. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm leaning towards Huberto, and part of it is their schedule and the way that the Panthers have scored. I mean, you look at the six and seven goal spots that they've put up on the board routinely over the last month, averaging north of four goals a game this season, uh, on track to be the highest scoring team in the salary cap era. Um I don't know. You, you got some games against the Detroit Red Wings, the Sens. I mean, they could certainly do some damage down the stretch. It's one of those races that's really interesting to watch. Not only that, but Austin Matthews, the longer he sits out as well in the Rocket Richard race, opening up the door for Leon Dreisaitl to potentially catch him as well. Let's talk uh, and continue our down and out series. We've been focusing on the non-playoff teams over the last number of days. Uh, today, it's the Seattle Kraken. And I think by all accounts, Chris, a really disappointing year for the Kraken. Um, you know, uh, some people had picked this team heading into the season as a playoff team. They're over under point total from Vegas set at 92 and a half. They're not even close. Uh, they've had a points percentage in the threes for the bulk of the season. Got off to a bit of a slow start, never really recovered. And the big thing that stands out to me is, is really just their lack of offense. You know, you take a look at their point getters here in a year with historic offensive seasons. The highest scorer on the Seattle Kraken, Jared McCann, 44 points in 67 games. What to you is the number one priority heading into the offseason for the Kraken? Well, it's funny you mentioned McCann at 44 points because that was the same observation I had. You've got five or six guys in the league with more goals than their highest score has points. So, you know, clearly they need to address their scoring. Um, you know, it's unfortunate for the Kraken that they've been compared to Vegas, right? Who, as an expansion cousin, had such a strong season in their first year. And so the Kraken haven't been looked upon the way we've looked at other expansion teams in the past, where, you know, this kind of record might seem kind of par for the course instead of so disappointing. But, you know, the, the Kraken have a lot of cap space and they have uh, a lot of draft picks. So if they can translate either or both of those into some uh, offensive-minded players uh, and bring those in to bolster, you know, a guy like Matty Beniers who's come in now and looks like, you know, he's going to be a, a great player in the league for a long time. So, you know, I, I don't think 
we need to hit the panic button with them. It's, it's obviously very early in their existence and they've got some tools to get better in a hurry. So, uh, but adding offense is clearly the number one priority for them. Yeah, they certainly have some tools to help get better with that salary cap space that you mentioned and the draft picks. The key for me isn't even necessarily just offense. You need difference makers. And I think that's the one thing you look back on the expansion draft and you say there were so many opportunities there to maybe get a player who could be a difference maker. And even if he wasn't going to be with your team for a long time, you look at the season that a Tarasenko has had, for instance, you know, why not? Why wouldn't you have taken a flyer on a guy like him? Uh, Carrie Price, a little bit of a different story with the injury history and the opportunity that they had to pry him from Montreal. Uh, when you take a look at their goaltending and how historically bad it's been this season, you have to go back 30-some years to find a team that's had goaltending as bad as the Kraken. And on top of that, Chris, I think the other big question is their coach. Uh, Dave Haxtell, I, I kind of scratched my head at the hire when I heard it to begin with. I think uh, he struggled a bit at times. And of course, we talked about the roster and their construction. He hasn't necessarily been handed a finished product, but I'd be really curious to see how long Dave Haxtell lasts in Seattle. It was a quick turn in Vegas with the Golden Knights and Gerard Blatt. Two and a half years for a coach that got an expansion team to the Stanley Cup final. You see the bump that the New York Rangers got. I'm wondering if if Dave Haxtell ends up lasting a shorter time than even Gerard Gallant did at the start with the Vegas Golden Knights. It's going to be interesting. A lot of work for Ron Francis and the Kraken to do this summer. That does it for our Down and Out series for today. Let's get to this week's edition, today's edition of the All 32 delivered by DoorDash. Pleased to welcome to the Daily Faceoff show, Matt DeFranks, who covers the Dallas Stars for the Dallas Morning News. Matt, how you doing? Welcome. This is a, another edition of the All 32 delivered by DoorDash. Matt, wanted to get a vibe check on the Dallas Stars and where they're at. Very close to locking up a playoff spot. It's been a tenuous uh, few weeks. Every game, every point matters, but the Stars have played their way into the, this position What's the general feel around the team? What's their confidence level heading into the playoffs? Yeah, I think it's it's a little bit different after Monday night in Vancouver where you know, Rick Bonus was unhappy with half the team's effort. Uh, they lost 6-2, to two, and I think that kind of sours uh, a little bit of the the vibe that they had heading onto the road uh, this last road trip of the season. I mean, they're they're pretty much in, in the playoffs. I mean, if you look at all the models, they're 90% in. Uh, if they get to 97 points after a three and three in their last six games, that's very doable for this team. And given their schedule, I mean, after this road trip, uh, they have four games at home against non-playoff teams. So it is something that should be expected for them to make the playoffs. It's just a matter of if they're in that first wild card spot heading to Calgary or in the second wild card spot heading to Colorado. And I think for the Stars, that's a bit different. So. That's really where they've kind of turned their focus is not so much on Vegas, Vancouver, potentially L.A., uh, chasing them in a wild card spot. It's about catching Nashville and, and avoiding that the avalanche in the first round. So, Matt, let's assume they get in. Uh, does Ottinger get the first game start? And if so, what's the confidence level of the team and what's the confidence level uh, around him or around the goaltending situation in general? Yeah, I would have to imagine that he does get the first start. Uh, I mean, he's been their number one guy in the last uh, you know, couple months, really. And before they acquired Scott Wedgwood, 
Jake Ottinger was starting, you know, 15 out of 16 games. Uh, they were really riding him a lot. And, you know, they even played him on a couple of bat-to-backs, uh, I think twice in the last few months, both ends. So uh, that's something that you do with your workhorse, someone that's going to be your number one in the playoffs. Uh, you know, I am interested to see how these last six games shake out because Scott Wedgwood has played well. Um, you know, there was a point last week where he started two consecutive games for the first time since the Stars acquired him. And that kind of makes you you scratch your head a little bit and say, I wonder what their, their plan is with Scott Wedgwood. And, um, you know, Jake Ottinger had a, a rough night on Monday in Vancouver, had to be replaced mid-game by Wedgwood. And uh, we'll see who starts tonight in Edmonton. Uh, but, I, you know, I have to wonder if it's going to be Wedgwood just based off of Monday's performance in the last week of, of Wedgwood versus Ottinger. So I think you have to still think that Ottinger is going to be that game one starter and be the guy. Uh, but at least it's more of a question than it was, say, two weeks ago. Matt, Miro Heiskanen has about three weeks of games under his belt since returning from Mono. Has he passed the eye test? What does he look like to you? His production is down slightly in terms of points. Has he been the same player since coming back? Yeah, he's been a, a real difference maker for them. I think those first few games in Anaheim when he came back, you could see the you know, kind of what he was providing that the stars were missing uh, just a lot of skating the puck out of his own zone a lot of stick work that that pulled the puck off guys in the star zone uh, you know that offensive side is something that hasn't come yet for for Haskinen and it's something that I think the stars really want him to to take more responsibility of uh, just being more active in the offensive zone uh, being a little more honestly Roman Yossi like and kind of roving around because he has the skating and the stick work to be able to do that. But he cares so much about the defensive side of things that maybe he doesn't take those risks. And I think if you look at defensive figures and, and zone time and stuff like that, Miro Haskins probably going to be one of the best defensemen in the league at that. But the offensive side isn't, isn't there uh, outside of the bubble run uh, in Edmonton when he had you know almost a point a game during the playoffs. Uh, but since he came back from Mono, he's really pushed guys back into where they should be. Uh, you know, when he was out, Yanni Hockenpah was playing 20, 25 minutes a night. And that's really not something that he's built to do. He's built to be a third pairing guy that can lay some hits and uh, kind of end plays. But he's not meant to be a 20 minute a night puck mover getting top four minutes. And that's the other thing that Miro's done is kind of push guys back into their spots and you know, helped out on the power play, too, with their entries. Yeah, being stout in your own end if you're high skinning is never a bad thing, certainly when it comes to the playoffs. Matt, wanted to ask lastly about the Stars. What's their X factor? You know, I look at this team and I say they, they're pretty mobile on the back end. When Ottinger is playing well, they're pretty steady in net. Their top line is unquestioned in terms of production. Is it really the depth of this team, the depth scoring, that's going to determine how far this team goes no matter who they play in the first round? Yeah, I think that second line is going to be the X factor, um, you know, on Monday in, in Vancouver, even without Bo Horvat, you look at their lineup and you say, well, they have, they have two lines and that's one more than the stars have, uh, because that, that top line, that hints line can go up against anyone. And if you look at Colorado and Calgary, they have those top lines as well, the, the McKinnon line and then the, that, that Lindholm line as well. So it, it's, it's tough for the stars to find production on the road when that top line gets shut down. And they're going to need something from Ben Sagan and whoever is on their right wing, uh, if it is Ben and Sagan on a line together to produce and provide depth. And, uh, you know, I think that's where they were leaning when they got Vladislav Nemesnikov 
at the trade deadline. They wanted to kind of push guys down, uh, maybe spread the minutes out a little more, get a little more depth scoring, but they're going to need someone in that top, top six on that second line to, to step forward. And, you know, Ben and Sagan have been okay the last few months. If you look at their, their points per game across the last 30, 35 games, it's, it's not quite a pointy game, but it's probably 0.8 or something like that. It's pretty close. So they've been coming on since a slow start, but the overall production hasn't really been there as it was in the past. So that they need that second line to, to kind of push through in the playoffs and provide some some help for that hints line. Yeah, it's going to be fascinating, Matt, to see what they can create. Uh, if they can shake things up a bit in the West, the Dallas Stars just two years removed from that trip to the Stanley Cup final in the bubble. We'll see what kind of magic they can recreate this time around in the Stanley Cup playoffs. That's Matt DeFranks, who covers the Stars for the Dallas Morning News. Appreciate you joining us. This has been another edition of the All 32 delivered by DoorDash. You see the promo codes there at the bottom of your screen. DFODD if you're in Canada. DFODDUS if you're in the United States. That gets you 25% off and free delivery on your first order. All your favorites and more delivered right to your door by DoorDash. Today, hashtag ask DFO. My question for you as we look at the final 10 days of the regular season how many legitimate heart trophy candidates are there for you? And how much would these last 10 days factor into your voting if you were to vote this year? Yeah, I would say there are six candidates. I would say you got the two guys in Edmonton, then you've got Huberto, Goudreau, Shesterkin, and Austin Matthews. And that's a that's a heck of a group, right? I can't remember a heart trophy where there were six legitimate candidates. You know. I don't know if if the last few games matter that much, but you know, you know, maybe if you're deciding between McDavid and Huberdeau, it does go down to you know which guy captures the most points. I kind of look at it the opposite. I, I like to spread the awards around, and if one of them grabs the the heart, then maybe the other guy, or sorry, the Art Ross, then the other guy should grab the heart. Um, you know, it's it's going to be tough. Uh, you know, the, the season that Matthews has had has been pretty undeniable too, from a goal scoring perspective. So all of these guys. Uh, could could take home that hardware, and it's uh, you could flip a coin, and all of them would be deserving. So for me, Chris, I also have six guys, but my six are a little bit different. I've got McDavid, Yossi, Kaprizov, Gaudreau. Um, uh, I'm just trying to think of who the, who else I missed. Uh, Huberto is five, and I'm missing one more for six. But my so my six shape up a little bit differently from yours. And I would say, oh, Matthews is the sixth. Yeah. And when you look at the six, the last 10 days will actually matter a little bit for me. You know, here's a good example of why is if Austin Matthews sits out the last five games of the season for the Toronto Maple Leafs, that'll be 12 that he's missed. That's 15% of the season. It's a pretty significant chunk. Um, I think a lot of people are curious, you know, how much him sitting out nursing this injury, uh, how long he'll continue to be out. Doesn't sound like that long, but each game missed, he's missed five due to injury this year and two due to suspension. Um, you know, I think that should weigh in in the Hart Trophy race. If someone is 
missing that big of a chunk of the season, potentially up to 15%. It's at nine or 10% right now. I think that should weigh into the voting. So that's one example, Hal. You mentioned the Art Ross race. That's another. Um, you know, these games are so critical at this time of year. I think the voting is always shaded toward the last 20 or 25% of the season. Um, you know, you try not to deal with recency bias, but there's such a difference in level of play, I think, in those games and their meaning that, you know, you can't help but shade your vote towards that. So, um, man, I, I even though I have six guys for five spots, I still can't tell you even really close at this point what my order looks like. It's that much up in the air. Yeah, well, and, and Yossi and Kaprizov are, are definitely legitimate as well. So, you know, I, I could have said eight. Um, it, it's it's crazy. There, there have been so many guys that have had excellent seasons and it goes back to, you know, are you voting for the, the best player in the league or the team that's been the most valuable, right? And there's always that question about what the heart trophy really is. And, you know, you look at a guy like Huberto, he's got Barkov with him and Matthews has Marner and obviously Dreisaitl and McDavid are together. And so, you know, maybe a guy like Yossi who, you know, he's got good players around him, but none that are really as, as dominant as, as the other guys have as a wingman. So um, yeah, it, it could go a number of ways, and it's uh, it's just exciting that we have that many great players to talk about. Yeah, it's such a, a toss-up in terms of how you view the award. Are you a literal voter, or do you shade more towards most outstanding player? As you said, Kaprizov has had you know not nearly as much help as some of the other guys, and Yossi set the Preds' franchise scoring record, and he's done it as a defenseman. It has an outside shot to hit 100 points this year, something no defenseman has done in 30 years. So it's bananas. Um, you know, I'm really agonizing over my vote here as we close in on the final 10 days of the regular season. Let's bring in Tyler Yermchuk now for our daily face-off, daily bet segment. Tyler, are you above? Are you in the positive? Are you in the black in terms of your overall record for the season? In terms of units, yes. For the first time since mid-February, I am back up in the positives. My record on the year, 156, 147, and 3. We are up 1.9 units on the year. What would have been funny was if the Kings would have lost last night, I would have been up units, but up 0.008 units, which means if you would have put $100 on all my bets this year, you would have been up about 80 cents, um, which would have been hilarious. But the Kings came through. So we're up units on the year since March 1st, up 9.1 units as well. And I got a loaded slate four plays today, courtesy of our friends at Points Bet Canada. So let's jump right into it, starting with the Chicago Blackhawks and the Arizona Coyotes. I can't imagine a lot of people are watching this game, but I will be because I'm taking the over. It's set at six and a half, paying minus 110. Each of these two teams have hit the seven goal mark. In five straight games so far since eight or so far in April, the Hawks are averaging 6.58 goals per game. The Coyotes are averaging exactly seven goals per game. So I love the over as a play here between these two basement dwellers. And I also like Alex Debrinket to pick up an assist in this game. Plus 105. I like getting plus money payout on a guy who's done this three games in a row. He also has six assists in that span. So I'm all over, over six and a half and Alex to bring it. And then I'm going to that Edmonton Dallas matchup and I'm taking the Oilers to win in regulation. They have been lights out on home ice since March 1st, 10, one and one. And it's not like they've just been beating up on bad teams either. There's wins against Washington and Tampa Bay and Vegas mixed in there as well. They've been great on home ice back at Rogers place. And I like them taking on the Dallas stars tonight in regulation at a plus 100 payout. And I also like Leon Dreisel to get an assist. 
at different points throughout the year, this bet would have been down at like the minus 160, minus 170 range. It's at minus 105 because Dreisaitl doesn't have an assist in five straight games. The last time he went six straight games without an apple, you have to go all the way back to February of 2019. This guy is the definition of do. The Oilers are great on home ice. Their power plays heating up on home ice. And Dreisaitl should be involved in the offense. So I like a Dreisaitl assist, Edmonton in regulation, over in Arizona, Chicago, and Debrinket to pick up an apple in that game as well. As they say in horse racing, Tyler, even if you're up 80 cents, better cash than trash. So uh, good on you. You've been consistent pretty much, you know, all year long. You had the great start and then you had you're, you you mirror the Oilers season in terms of betting. Fantastic start. Terrible middle stretch. And now you've been <laughs> elite again towards the end. All that matters is how you finish. The Oilers are a playoff team. Tyler, that makes you a playoff better. I love it. Uh, let's get to garbage time with Chris gear, Chris, uh, what has caught your attention? What's caught your eye from around the national hockey league? Well, it's a theme that we've touched on a little bit already in this show. And that's just the number of great performances we've seen from offensive players this year, league scoring, uh, is averaging 6.15 goals per game this year. That's the highest level we've seen since 95-96. And almost on a nightly basis, you see a player that has set their franchise record uh, for points or assists or goals. Uh, we've seen the performances from, from Huberdeau. We saw uh, you know, last night, Matt Duchesne, I think, uh, set a new record in Nashville. Uh, it just seems like routinely we're seeing players that eclipse a long-standing marks with their franchises. But at the same time, we're seeing incredible goaltending performances. You'd think with all that scoring, we'd see, you know, a bunch of goalies that were just, you know, letting everything in. But instead, we're seeing, you know, Shesterkin being an MVP candidate. We're seeing Jacob Markstrom with nine shutouts and lots of other superlative goaltending performances around the league. So, you know, what it tells me is that overall, we're just seeing some of the best hockey right now in 21-22 that, that we've seen in in a couple of decades. And, and that's really exciting. And it bodes really well heading into the playoffs that, you know, we've got so many great matchups and so many players that are having great seasons, both offensively and from the goaltending ranks. So it's, uh, it's super fun to watch right now. Yeah, it feels like we're in a golden age of talent for the NHL in terms of across the board. You see some of the things that happen on a nightly basis. You see the contributions that teams get from up and down their lineup. Players in third and fourth line roles are doing things that they could never have done two decades ago. The overall strength of the league is so much better. And it's come, interestingly enough, as you said, at a time when the goaltending is better than it ever has been. The individual attention to the position, uh, the skills coaches, the flexibility, the athleticism, everything that comes with the position, the equipment, uh, it's been top-notch. And yet we're at this point where the goal scoring, it's you know as high as it's been in, in a long time. I love it. Give me these eight, six, eight, four games. I'm all for it. I just hope we don't see a different game. And I'm sure we will to some degree when the puck drops in the playoffs. That'll do it for this edition of the Daily Faceoff Show. That's all we have, all the time we have for today. Thanks to Chris Gear. Thanks to Matt DeFranks. Thanks to Tyler Uremchuk and our technical producer, Alex Allard. Keep it locked on dailyfaceoff.com for all the latest news, insight, and analysis from around the National Hockey League. We'll be back right here on Thursday. You know where to find us, 12 noon Eastern. We'll talk to you then. Until then, have a great day, everyone. 
Thanks for watching the Daily Face-Off Show. Make sure you hit subscribe on our YouTube channel to never miss an episode. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special coming your way this playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. And let me tell you, it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal. Every playoff game day, you're going to be faced with four questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle. And here's a sneak peek into some of those questions we'll be firing your way. First up, you got to pick the winning team. That sounds simple, right? But there's more. You got to decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount. And that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's going to find the back of the net first. And you're going to want to be careful because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you got to predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear, and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.